Welcome back, everybody, to Forward Pressing, episode 31. Man, it feels good to be back. I cannot wait to talk about this episode. How are you doing, Tenga? I'm doing good. Um, I, feel, I can feel the excitement through the screen. Hey, because we got a lot of we got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. I mean, I I'm, I'm I don't have to say much because I know you wanna I know you wanna talk a lot today. Today is your episode. Hey, today is my episode because baby, it's coming home. First of all, Euro 2020, it's coming home, baby. And you know who else is coming home? Jaden Sancho, baby. Ooh, it finally happened. Okay, we're gonna touch on transfers later in the episode. But man, oh, it's it's probably it's an exciting time to be an English Man United fan, which is not me because I'm not English, but I am a Man United fan and I do support England. But hey, we're looking for we're looking at a Italy England final. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but that's kind of what it's looking like. Um, but before we get into it, because we're going to cover the quarterfinals and a couple of the round of sixteen games too, I'm just going to remind everybody to follow us on our social media. Um, on Instagram, forward underscore pressing. On Twitter, forward press pod. Make sure to drop us a follow there so you're notified every time an episode goes live. And we tweet some uh, some football facts and some football conversations here and there. Make sure you guys uh, are in with it. But uh, we're going to talk about the Euro, of course. We'll touch on some Copa America because semifinals there are going to happen tomorrow, actually. And then we're going to touch on some transfer news as well. So it's a pretty exciting episode today. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, why don't you uh, start us off, Yanis, with um, with I know we're not this this isn't a quarterfinal game, but I think we need to mention it: France versus Switzerland. Because oh boy, France! I don't know. It was like a total collapse at the end of that game. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna hit up that game and then I will we'll go straight into the the Swiss Spain game. Just so it's obviously the, the there's a link in that. I feel like France. To beat France, the the biggest France, the biggest issue for France was France themselves. It was the team in general. It wasn't like a team that because the France Swiss wasn't better than them overall. That's usually what happens when a talented team like loses a game like that. It's usually they beat themselves. Yeah, but like it felt like after that third goal, because obviously three at three one, I thought I at three one you would think that everybody thought it was over. It was one zero Switzerland, and I was kind of like. We had talked about it in the last episode on the podcast. If you're uh, if you listen to that one, I said like I don't know this Switzerland team. They they have been playing pretty well, and France has kind of been shaky to be honest. They have not impressed me and looked at like that France team that won the World Cup. Um, so I said like France would probably win, but I wouldn't count on Switzerland. Like they could actually pull an upset here from what we've seen. And then they went up one zero, and I was like, oh boy, it's gonna happen. And then France came back three one. They're like, all right, GG. And then I don't know what happened. At the end of the game, right at the end, you could argue that this Euro, uh, this team, this Euro team is better than like, the World Cup team. If you think about it, there's a couple. It's most of the, the most. The core is the same, but like obviously you don't have Benzema. Yeah, Benzema, and that obviously makes your team better. No offense to Giroud, because Giroud didn't do anything wrong. He didn't even play, but he just, he's just not as good as Benzema. I think Benzema is. We know Benzema is a better French striker. Like. And Benzema scored goals this tournament. He did his job. He's been France's best player, or one of France's best players, along with Pogba, I'd say. Pogba, probably. Those are the two. Pogba, I think, has been France's best player. Yeah, you could. I mean, that goal. Which, as a United fan, I mean, like looking at him do that for 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 France, then see what he does for United, kind of. It just we got to do something to get that man in the game. But yeah, Pogba and Benzema. 
I when I, when it got to the PK, I felt like yeah, it's not like because I we know like Summer is a pretty decent keeper when it comes to BKs. Like he's a pretty good keeper overall, but when it comes to BKs, he's better than a, a lot of keepers out there, including Luis. Even though Luis had a save in the game, which was like that that could that was a game changer, by the way. But when I when it got to the PK, I was like, yeah, something's gonna happen. I didn't think it was gonna be Mbappe, but something was gonna happen. That was that was not a bad penalty either. It was not. It was a better save than a bad PK. It was a better save. He saved it with one arm. He saved it with one arm. You don't know how hard that is. I mean, you probably know as a keeper, like that's with one hand like that. How many times does a keeper choose the right side? They get a hand on it, but the ball is just coming way too fast that it just still goes in, right? Yeah. It has to be a very strong hand. And like you said, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like he didn't he placed it at the right spot. It was the right area. Everything was right except that summer read the entire thing. And then even now, if you go, I mean, if you're gonna go to the Spain Switzerland game, like those PKs, I, I I was expecting the exact same thing. Like when it got to the because I felt to me like Swiss were sort of sort of playing for the PK after the overtime. I mean, they were they had a red card, right? So they, they were playing on the back foot for I don't know how long, and then even the overtime. Like I'm surprised Spain wasn't able to put put it away during either regular time or overtime. Spain is weird to me because like. They they've had a shaky tournament and then they've had they've had two great games, one against um the Slovakians and then the one against Croatia. Even though in the Croatian game they made a lot of mistakes that cost them the overtime. Overall, you would think that Spain right now should should have should have learned from their mistakes and improved, but for some reason it feels like in this game they declined, and then they got back to their bad habits of like passing but no no progressive passes, only sideways, only sideways. Even though they've had a few chances, but overall, I didn't think that. I felt like this Spain team, once again, is shaky. And if the the right they, if they meet the right team or the worst the worst the worst like the right the right match, like they can they can easily be beat. How I feel about the Spain team is I feel like they play a style of football like we know we all know the Spain style of football possession 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 that's all they do, but I feel like the way they play is really to not lose games. So a lot of these games are going to be, it's going to be tight matches just because they play it so tight. Like they're not giving themselves the opportunities to go score goals, but they're not giving themselves like uh, openings to concede goals either. And a lot of goals end up do happening as because they're making mistakes even within their style. Um, I don't know. I really feel like Italy is going to be a team that's going to be able to expose them. Um, Italy has looked like a phenomenal team this whole tournament. The whole tournament, they've been the one team that has never uh, slacked off for one game. Um, exactly like we're gonna talk about that game right after like the belgium italy game but i don't know the spain the spain um you like you're never impressed by their performances but they kind of like squeak out those results and i feel like they've been getting lucky and i feel like the luck's about to run out but we'll see now this now i mean what's interesting now is that morata seems to be like in the sort of a former with former good games the last few games he scored so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he responds to the the, Itali- the Italian back defense because it's obviously the biggest back four he's played in like the entire tournament. Um, especially for the I mean, especially the, the two center backs, because even Lukaku, yeah, uh, even Lukaku wasn't able. Oh, you're talking about the Belgium game? No, I was talking about the the preview because obviously I'm sort of previewing the the matchup between Morata and the center backs, Bonucci and Cellini. 
if he goes, if if Mancini goes with that. By the way, credit to Mancini as well. I think he's been the best coach of the tournament for for a while now. Um, just walk, just have, I think the the right the right lineup was chosen almost every time. He's he played every player, which is nice because he said I think there was a nothing though that he mentioned. He went to the he has one World Cup selection. He wasn't able to make any appearance on the field, and that obviously hurt him. Or I guess scarred him for, for for life. I guess to to say so. Now he wants to give everybody a chance. So that's that sounds sounds pretty cool. I was I mean I was sort of salty when he didn't pick Keen because I thought Keen deserved a chance. But at this point, you're in the semis. You've done almost. You're almost at the end of the the achievement. And I do feel like I'd be very optimistic against uh, against a Spain team that doesn't seem to be there yet. But they're definitely they're definitely further than I think most people expected. I mean, listen, I'm going to be rooting for Italy here, but I don't know why. The Spain team kind of just, like, scares me because, like, no matter what they do, they're always – they're winning these games. And it's kind of like – I don't know. It's kind of like they make – I just thought of, like, the perfect analogy. I feel like they make everybody – all their opponents play at their own level. Like, they don't, they don't like, stoop down to their opponent. They don't, like, play up to their opponent. But they make every opponent, like, kind of play to their level. And it's a scary thing because if like Italy slows down a little bit, like they're they're known for like their counterattacking football, creating chances. Like they have a lot of players that can create chances on their own, um, which is insane. Like we saw like some of these game, the goals in this last game um, against Belgium too. Um, insane. Yeah, that was insane, and uh, the the one before that as well. Like uh, was it Beretta? Yeah. So, so like. These are goals that you have, like, special players that can do them on their own. You don't need the whole team to prepare. And I feel like Spain doesn't have that. They have more of, like, they need the whole team to kind of, like, contribute. Um, but I don't know. I'd be – I'm a little nervous. But how about uh, England-Ukraine? Because, baby, it's coming home. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Denmark-Czech first? Let's talk Denmark-Czech first. That was pretty um, – I feel we all kind of expected Denmark to win. But this game was pretty close, and it was a really exciting game to watch as well. I managed to see the highlights of this one. Um, the second goal for Denmark is the one that impressed me the most. Like, that was just a really well, like, wow. But do you have any thoughts on the game before we talk about the England-Ukraine? I mean, the 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 Danish fullback stood out to me. I think it's Ma- Male is his name. I can't remember his first, his first name. The last name is Male. And then now I was kind of surprised because I've never heard of him before. And then I realized, and like, once I Googled him, I realized he plays for Atalanta, which was like, okay, it makes sense. Makes sense, right? Makes sense, yeah. Even though he's not a starter, I think he's he's about to be. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it feels like a lot of Atalanta players have performed this tournament. Like you saw Gosens, I think Furler for Switzerland, even though he had a red card. Um, but yeah, then this Danish team is good, bro. This Danish team is good, and they're loaded at every position without their best player, without Christian Eriksen. That's the thing. Now, does he, now do you do you? I don't know how it's gonna go against England because that's their biggest test. Now, obviously, they're playing at home as well. England's playing at home, so it's gonna be even harder for Denmark. But I mean, I have England winning it just because I think that the logic will be respected. But it's there's one thing that can sort of overcome that logic. It's them. It's Denmark. I mean, listen. Let's talk about England Ukraine because England Ukraine four zero. Right. This was. This was the game that we all kind of wanted to see as an England fan because, baby, oh, first of all, Luke Shaw. How good is Luke Shaw? Man, man escaped the shackles of Mourinho and became world-class. Like, he's, he's been one of United's best players for the last two years. 
and now we see it on the biggest stage in the world for England as well. Like he he does it all, and you you already see the memes and like the I mean the half memes right the Roberto Carlos uh, Roberto Shaw, <laughs> but he's really putting on like an amazing performance and also Sterling. Sterling had so much criticism coming into this tournament, and he's been one of England's like best players this tournament. He's had criticism his entire career, for being honest. Because he, he he came off of his worst season as a player for Man City. He came off his worst season, and then it put a lot of questions on Gareth Southgate, how he's putting somebody that's been in such terrible form as a starting lineup and not even, like, thinking about subbing him off. But he's answered every question. He's 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 been up to it. Sterling has proved yeah. that he deserves his spot, and he's been one of England's, like, most prominent uh, chance creator. And... I would say he's been England's blessed player, if be honest. I agree. I mean, there's other players that have contributed a lot that have had sparks of greatness, but none of have played every game like he has. Like Grealish. Um, even Harry Kane showed that he's uh, still one of the best finishers in the game, right? He just wasn't getting the chances to finish those. But given the chances, he's going to take them. Four minutes in and he... That, that was not a... I mean, it was, it was like a scrappy goal, but he was there. Um, it, exactly. And is it is it a is it a coincidence that Sancho starts the game and England are so prolific with the chances for the first time in the whole tournament? I don't know. I think it's probably there's some correlation there. I'm sure because Sancho had a good game too. Um, United player Sancho uh, had a great game. Oh, you had to say that. Yeah, you can. Jay, you can start. And hey, United had a United had a good game. Harry Maguire, Mr. Slabhead out there, finally scoring goals with his head. Man, he can jump around everywhere, get touch the ball with his head a million times, but he just, like, doesn't score goals with his head. Not for United, anyways. I, like, that's what we signed him for, to be a big, a big presence in the back and an aerial threat. And he, like, gets at the end of these crosses and stuff, but just never does anything with them. But that goal that he scored was a good one. Obviously, Luke Shaw getting the balls in as well. Uh, two assists there. Um... And then you have Sancho putting on a clinic with the ball as well. It was a great game for, as a United standpoint. I guess from um, for net for the for, uh, I guess for the semifinals, we always have the same question. Where Southgate is Southgate is like, what is he? What is on the lineup? What is the lineup going to look like? He's going to have to play the same lineup or make very minimal changes. Like you're changing one or two, and that's it. You're not doing anything more than that. I don't see who he would change after having such a performance like that. Like your your CDMs are not changing. Sterling's starting. Harry Kane is starting. Mount is most definitely starting. The only one I could see is maybe he doesn't start Sancho again. Yeah, that's what I think. He might go for Saka or Grealish or Foden. But Saka's coming off injury. I doubt after Sancho had that performance, I would be surprised if he decided to put Saka in after coming off an injury, after you don't know how what you're gonna get from him how healthy he is, how, how healthy he's feeling, when you know Sancho can get you a good performance and he just did, had a good performance. I would think maybe maybe Grealish or Foden. Yeah, I can see. If he's going to put anybody, it would be Grealish. But even then, like, I don't know. I feel like you're, you just go with his hot hand 4-0. Like, maybe if he has a different game plan in mind for Denmark and he needs different players that suit that game plan better, maybe that's what, that what, that's what happens. But I think I'd be surprised if we see more than two changes. But what are your thoughts, England, Denmark? Um, like I said, I think uh, I like I said, I think England like near, goes and wins it. 
I think the Wembley the, the the Wembley factor plays a part into it in my decision making. But I think England I think Denmark is going to give them a run for their money. For I sure. think Denmark is a team that's able to break through game plans and I think England is a team that like we all love to get behind because it's coming home baby, right? It's fucking coming home and everybody loves to say it's coming home. But we've seen it so many times where England has a really good team and they choke because I don't know if it's the lack of experience or the lack of preparation or mental fortitude. Like something goes wrong and we don't see the England team that we all expect. We haven't seen the England team that we all expected until this, this game, right? I mean, the Germany game was pretty good too, right? But this was really the game that we saw. Like England has so much attacking prowess and we haven't seen them taking advantage of it until last game. And in the group, they weren't. Uh... If we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about that Germany game, that Germany game, they were Germany was empty. Yeah, but it was it started off close and then it kind of like just fell out, fell apart for Germany. That Mueller chance, if he scores that. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? It's all everything in hindsight, but so I don't know. I feel like England, if they don't show up, I feel like Denmark will will score early goal, and then maybe get a counter attacking goal later on in the game, and it's gonna be tough to come back. Um, so I wouldn't hand it just to the English right there, but they're definitely the heavy favorites, and I think they should be. Do you question? I mean, I we're I, I know we we're going to talk about Copa America real quick, but do you think Belgium will ever win something with this generation? Because I feel like it's it's done. It's done. They have the World Cup in two years, but I feel like a lot of those. I don't. I can't. I feel like a lot of other teams have already overtaken them. I feel like this was the best chance they had. Yeah, everything was lining up for them, but then Italy showed up. I think not Italy, but Portugal showed up because I think that game against Portugal did a lot of damage besides the win. They lost Hazard to an injury that obviously cost him the game. And then they lost. De Bruyne came off and wasn't 100%. He got injured that game and he wasn't 100% today. The only guy that like has no like criticism, I guess now you can't even say criticism. Lukaku did play well, but he had one chance that he had to put in and then he didn't. That was the one chance that could have change the entire game and then Jeremy Doku as well that's the future but here's the problem for me with Belgium is like okay I know Doku is their future we he had a probably he was probably the best Belgium on the field against Italy but like he's the only guy that you can talk about the future we don't know what the future from Belgium is like who else what else where else is there who else is there their their defense is getting old and stagnating they have a couple midfielders that are that are probably not going to be on the team very shortly. Um, you still have De Bruyne. You still have Lukaku. You have the Hazard brothers. The Hazard brothers. But even they're getting old. They're getting old too, but they're still best in the world, like top quality. But the defense is tough. Courtois is there. Like they still have some foundational pieces, but everything is like we've been saying. This team has maybe one last tournament left for four years now, like. It's, it's going to be tough. And I think you're seeing these other, other countries like England, like Italy, um, like France. They, these players have – you have veteran players that are still in their prime and you have up-and-coming players that are already contributing on all these squads. And the, and the development is second to none. Exactly. So it's kind of tough to keep on pace with these, uh, with these other countries. So I think it's the, – the time of Belgium being the number one FIFA team in the world is coming to an end probably. Um, but we'll see. There's the World Cup in two years. Next year, actually. We'll we'll see what happens then. Yeah. So we'll see about that. 
but Copa America, we won't go as much in depth as we're doing with the Euros, but we have uh, we had a couple of quarterfinal matchups, and now we have the semis uh, that are all lined up. What are your thoughts? Um, it's looking like it might be we're looking at as a Brazil Argentina final, but you can't. I mean, we that's the final we would all like to have. Will it happen? We don't know. I think we're getting Brazil in the final. Brazil was a better team, the best team in the tournament by far. But they've had some close matchups. I was looking at the games and the results have been close. The Chile game was tough. I thought the Chile game was the the the, the big what well, be their biggest challenge so far, just because Chile was obviously the best. Well, one of the best teams in South America. They were two times uh, Copa America champions. They. No, I don't see how Brazil don't win the semis against Peru. I think Peru is a surprise. I thought I had Paraguay winning it, but I do expect uh, Brazil to beat uh, to to beat um, Peru. And I hope I I, I hope I, I think they got to start. I don't have you heard of Lucas Lucas Paqueta before? No, I have not. No, I've I've watched it. I watched him since he's been at. Um, was it was it international or Sao Paulo? One of those two. I think it was Sao Paulo. He was there, and then he went to Milan, and then now he just arrived at Lyon, who, where he's been like the second best player after Depay. And they, I think he's a key player for Brazil in the future, and even now because I think he plays well with Neymar in the midfield. Well, he's a be, he's a great asset for Neymar, and for the simple fact that he has the same technical ability, and well, maybe not the finishing, even though he scored the goal for the win, but he's a key player that I think plays well with Neymar in terms of chemistry and stuff. I watch out for him in the future as well. For you know, I think he's gonna have a big move eventually. But I think he's been probably one of my most interesting players in the, in the tournament for from a, from a Brazilian perspective, as well as uh, Renan Lodi, the left back, who's nice as well. And then we have uh, Argentina and Colombia facing off in the other semifinal. Um, <clears throat> I think these are this could go either way. To be honest, I know everybody's kind of gonna be quick to say Argentina. And I'm hoping Argentina win because I want Messi to win his like these international uh, trophies. Um, I think this is probably a really good chance for him. Um, but Colombia, you never know. Colombia, they have some, they have some, some pizzazz about them. You know, some like flashiness. They've always had the flashiness, and with no Hamas. Um, so that's going to be a crazy game. Um, I hope we see a Brazil-Argentina final. I hope Argentina takes it, but I feel like it's going to be uh, Argentina-Colombia. Who knows where it goes? But I think Brazil is probably going to be the overall favorite out of these last four teams remaining to uh, win it all. Yeah, agreed. Although Argentina's team is, I think this might be their best team in terms of chemistry. Before it was, before it seemed like it was a lot of individuals with Messi, or maybe maybe Messi was carrying a lot of the weight. Now it feels like Messi is like part of the pie. He feels like he's he's part of the pie, part of a good part of a team, right? It's not just him and then everybody else around him. It feels like it's a unit. They have a great unit. Uh, I, there seems to be some chemistry, even defensively as well. There, they look good. So, and we've seen in this tournament they've been playing better. Usually, you kind of see Argentina like their juggernaut name, if you will, but it, the games are always kind of close. And Messi ends up like scoring a hat trick on his own or scoring a magical free kick that wins the game, right? But now you kind of see like the performance as a squad is is better. Yeah, it's feel it feels like in the past it was mostly like individuals, Messi and individuals. But now it's more like a unit with Messi. Yeah, because you look back and everybody 
these are the biggest things that people say about Messi, why, why he's not the greatest of all time, because he is the greatest of all time. You'll say, how did he not win the World Cup with Di Maria and uh, uh, Aguero and Higuain and whatever? And you look at the squad that, that was actually playing in the tournaments and like half of these players weren't even starting. And, but half of these players weren't even starting. And also, like, they did not play well, the ones that did. Like, yeah, they have a big name or whatever, but Messi did his part and the rest, everybody let him down. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, but I definitely agree with you when you say uh, this is the best chemistry team uh, for Argentina. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for, it's, it's transfer time, baby. It's transfer time. Jaden Sancho to Manchester United finally confirmed. We've been talking about it for two years now. It's finally fucking happened. Oh, man, it's like a weight off my shoulders. I've been, I've been a little bit – I've been giddy here and there. Hey, give me the slow clap. Thank you, thank you. Um, and for a price too, apparently we, apparently it's over five installments too. This is highway robbery, bro. I don't even know how this fucking this happened, but I will take it. We want they wanted 120 million last last season. We got them for what like 75 over five installments. How does that even make sense? I don't even know how they pulled it out, pulled that off. But I think what happened was Jaden Sancho really wanted to move, and the club wanted to do right by him because he's been such a good player for them. Uh, I think that probably uh, got the deal. Uh, a little bit sweetened for United because the player wanted it a lot. And we've been talking about it. I know you didn't want to say anything because you wanted to wait for the official release or whatever, but I mean, it doesn't get more official than, than Manchester United saying that the deal has been done and we're waiting for the Euros to actually announce it properly and whatnot. My question for you, and I know the answer to that question, but I still going to ask it. Where does that leave you in terms of the the champions, the champions, the, not the championship, the Premier League? Because it doesn't bring you closer. I think the next transfer that it def it definitely does bring us closer. You cannot say Manchester United have had a... it brings you close. No, it brings you closer, but it doesn't guarantee. Well, not guarantee, but like it doesn't. There's there's still I think there's still pieces missing. For sure, there are still pieces missing, and that's why we're working on Varane, which we're going to talk about now because we're missing a, a, another. Boss center back, you know I've not been Lindelof's biggest fan. Uh, I've been. You know, he had a good he had a good tournament. Lindelof is like he's like a solid defender, but I feel like he's such a liability sometimes. Um, Harry Maguire, Harry, Harry, minus that Ukraine game, by the way, that Ukraine game he did not look good. It's like always half the time it feels like he's running after the ball and like he looks like he's gonna fall over the way he runs. I don't know, um, but Harry Maguire, you can you can say he's a presence in the backfield and he's maybe for the price you got him it leaves a lot of expectations there but I think he's very very he's a very good defender and I think he's probably proving it now by his performances and his reliability um, but pairing up him with like Varane that'd be Varane one of the best three defenders in the world most likely for the last couple of years I think I think the issue with your center back partnership has never been. I think the biggest issue for you guys is Baye because Baye should normally be your best center back, but he hasn't been it up enough to be able to be on the field enough for it to prove it that. I mean, Baye is always injured. What do you want? Like he plays, he comes back for a game after uh, twenty games missed, and he plays and he gets he gets injured, and then he's out for another twenty games. Like it's not the club's fault. It's not the coaching's fault. It's just him. The way he plays is so reckless and dangerous. He plays very reckless, and that's why he gets injured a lot. Well, it's not him. It's not his fault, too. But he, it's it's unfortunate. It's I think yeah, I do feel that, but I do feel it's also unfortunate. But Varane would definitely be an upgrade. Uh, it would be a huge upgrade. You're signing one of the best defenders in the world. Um, you have Luke Shaw on the left, who is one of the best left backs in the world. You can say at this point right now. 
and you have Aaron Wan Bissaka who's very solid on the right. Um, that's a that's a really good back four if you add Varane in there. Then if you you keep uh, Pogba, um, I'm I know those PSG rumors right now. So, I mean, I think we're gonna end up keeping him, but if he's gonna leave, this is the, this is his chance. If he's not leaving now, I don't know when he's gonna leave. So you think Sancho and Varane would be the answer to you winning the trend the, the trophy, or is that would you need more one more signing? I mean, listen, we can sign Sancho and Varane and then Man City go and sign Grealish and uh, Harry Kane and there's no point in having a conversation because they're going to win the Premier League again. Um, but it definitely puts us... I mean, we finished second in the Premier League last season and we dropped a lot of points that we should have won. I think these two signings kind of help us clean up the points that we dropped that we shouldn't have dropped and all those draws we got and last, last second conceding goals and stuff. Um, and then we're probably going to do uh, another signing after that probably, like... Uh, uh, a, a defensive mid somewhere. Um, if we get a Declan Rice, it's GG. I, we, there's no excuse for us not to challenge for the title and the Champions League. Um, but that's a tough one to, to get uh, over the line after. I'll be, I told you, my, my, my four, my list of four was Sancho, Harry Kane, Varane, and, and Rice. And I told you, I think we're going to sign two of the four. I don't know which two of the four we're going to sign. Um, but if we do get two of the four, I'll be very happy. So, um, you're, so you're happy. You're a happy guy right now. I'm, I, we're halfway there to two out of four. <laughs> but I think uh, I think we're getting good signings over, and I think we're linked with good players. So as a United fan, nothing to complain about right now. Um, as an Arsenal fan, you guys, you know Tavares. I don't know much about him. I'm going to be honest. Uh, kind of felt like he came out of nowhere. But as an Arsenal fan, hopefully you give me some insight into this. Good signing, bad signing. Thoughts on it? Um, well, I mean, I'll be honest to you, like I haven't watched, like I told you earlier, I've watched one game from Benfica in the last, I think the last, well, a couple games and I've seen him once, uh, cause he was, I think he was at the time he wasn't really much of a starter, but he's, he was just getting into the starting position at right back and he was pretty decent to me. He looked good. I haven't much watched much highlights of him, so I can't tell you how decent he is, but I think it's an interesting, it's a good signing for the simple fact that. Uh, we needed, we, we, there was a need for at right back, and I think he fills that. Was he the player that I wanted? Not necessarily, but I think it's a definitely a good, like, plan B, I'd say. Do you think uh, you guys are signing anybody else or what you should sign, who you should be looking for? I think you're signing at least one other player for sure. No, we are. We are. I think we need at least a center back, center, no, not center back, but center mid depth. We're going to send a center back. We know that it's going to happen. You need at least two more signings. Well, you, do you think you'll get two more signings? Yes, I do believe so. Depending, I think we'll get two more signings, but I don't know if it'll be the two signings that most people want, or is it the best signings at the moment? It might just be like the Ben White one, for example. That came out of nowhere to me. That was sort of random. Even though he's a great passer. Like, what do you think of his position play? Like, do you think he's starting? I think Ben White might start, yes, because Saliba got loaned to Marseille again, which is not a, that's a weird situation. I don't understand that. So we need he's definitely gonna get uh, the spot to start along alongside Gabriel. I'm assuming that would be our two our, our, our center back starting positions. Because in my head, like you guys signed Ben White, I don't know if you're getting another center back. We don't need another center back if we sign Ben White though. The thing what I'm saying is if you get Ben White for 60 mil, I don't know if you have much cash to spend on somebody else. That means we're gonna probably gonna have to sell. I think we might sell Lincoln Doozy, so that's gonna be some cash. Yeah, but 
that's the, that's what I'm saying. Like for now with Arsenal Football Club, it's kind of like at the point where a lot of the players you're you're kind of linked with are not as as uh, uh, name reputable as uh, these other clubs that are being linked to, and it's just that's I mean it's a product of of how the team has been performing lately. Um, no Champions League football for I don't know how many years now, so it's tough. But I mean, let's be honest. Do I think that the Tavares signing is a good signing? Yes, I do. Do I think that the Ben White signing is a good signing? Yes, I do. Even though I was sort of skeptical at first. If you get it over the line. Yeah, yeah. I want to be optimistic and say that these two are going to be good players in the future. It depends also on. I think they're specific to Arteta style of play and what Arteta wants to do, which is also, I guess, we'll, we'll have. We'll, there, there's definitely going to be a, a time to adjust for them. Even though Ben White has been in the prem for a while now, he still will need to adapt to a new team. The same for Tavares. So I think it'll take time for us to actually judge them, but I think it's a it's an encouraging start. And you're saying you maybe need another midfielder and maybe a, a packer? I'd like another midfielder and a winger. Who do you have anybody in mind? No, I don't. I was gonna go for maybe Patrick Schick, but I mean, he's had a pretty good tournament. I think Forsberg would be interesting, too. Forsberg had a good tournament, too, by the way. Forsberg would be interesting to have if he was available from Leipzig. Don't know how much Leipzig would give for him, but it'd probably be too big for Arsenal's pockets right now. But Forsberg, Forsberg would be interesting. Patrick Schick would be interesting, maybe on the loan, because I know he's been loaned like a couple of times from Roma and then Leverkusen. And Odegaard officially not coming back as well, right? And yeah, Odegaard is not coming back for it. So we definitely need a yeah. That's a massive. That's a big loss because that's our like our number one of our best creators. So we definitely need another. How confident in? How confident were you that he was gonna stay though? I wasn't. Yeah, I don't think most. I don't think most realistic people were confident he was gonna stay. Yeah, I don't think I, I wasn't sure, especially with the Zidane situation in Madrid, but the way it was. And we did, we knew we now know that he's not gonna. We, well, we know he's not coming back. Good. I think the next coach, he he thought he had a chance with the next coach, which I think is realistic. It's fine. I I understand why he wouldn't come back. Zidane, by the way, if we're gonna, I mean, on a, a quick tangent, France, France, France might be on the lookout like very soon. I feel like it's his job right now. Like I think I don't know if you give Didier Deschamps the World Cup now after the poor performance he just had with the squad he has. I don't know. He just won the World Cup, right? And then, but gets eliminated. I think the reports, the reports that I saw from the French media, the French, the channels that I follow said that Zidane was supposed to take the World Cup, the, the team after the World Cup. That Deschamps was supposed to be like coaching the World Cup and then end his career with France there. But now, now that might change. I, I mean, Even then, like the Zidane, just like not have a job until the World Cup, and then he waits. It'd be kind of like he'd be kind of left in limbo. It's kind of like a lot of time not being in run, like a team. But it's Zidane, though. Like we know what he can do. We know what he can do. I know it's Zidane. I know it's Zidane, and he should like. If it was me, like Didier Deschamps is gone right now. Like you, that's unacceptable. They were the heavy favorite coming into the tournament. And they just got eliminated by Swiss. Things happen. Things happen for sure. But I mean, you're up three one, and you lose that. Well, I mean, there was also the, there was the issue with the back three when you started the game that was questionable, and then there was also some other issues like off the field issues, which he can't really control. 
and they did not look good the whole tournament. They did not look good. They they look mm, yeah. I mean they were this it's they looked okay. Even the port like the Portugal game was, you know, like that could have gone either way, right? That was not a big uh, that was not a big win. Uh, I mean the Germany game. Sorry, like the Germany game wasn't it was it was encouraging, but it was also like telling of the issues that they had defensively. Even though they weren't really tested as much as like as opposed to, as opposed to the Portugal game where they got exposed. For me, you get Zidane in there as soon as possible. And then does Didier Deschamps like does he get a does he go to a club football? Is that a club? Yeah, he can definitely get a club if he wants to. Maybe uh, Arsenal after Arteta. He lives. He lives in Monaco, so. Okay. Oh, that'd be interesting. Even though they're they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves right now, he's. I mean. I would assume that he would stick to France. Yeah, I could probably see that. But uh, we're going to probably wrap it up soon. One uh, kind of last question, because, I mean, since it's coming home, this has been on all of our minds. Harry Kane, I mean, listen, he's not playing for Spurs next season. I feel like that's almost certain. There's like an 80% chance he's not playing for Spurs. Where does he play? Is it? Is it? You think it's going to happen? Though? They got Nuno. I, there's no way he goes back to Spurs. Even the, with Nuno Espirito Santo? He's going, he's in my head, he's a Man City player. In my head, he's a Man City player. I'd love for him to come to United, but I think we have Cavani. And uh, we're maybe if if we sell Martial, maybe we get Kane. If you get if you get Kane, Varane, and Sancho, I think you guys win it. You think if we get Kane and Varane? Ooh. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I think that would be because that in my head, in my head, the striker position is where is where you lack. I mean, listen. We we'd finally be able to rival Man City. He is, but can you can you carry you for the entire season? But Cavani has been very good when he when he was playing. But he's up there in age, right? Exactly, exactly. He's a great option to have come off the bench or play the game here and there with a different style of play he has. But I mean, up front, Rashford, Kane, Sancho. You got that England big three. Like, oh. I mean, listen, music to my ears. I don't know. I don't think we get Kane. I think I think we're going to spend our money on Sancho and Varane. And I think uh, after that, I don't think we're going to spend $100 million on Kane, right? So, um, and it's not going to be Calvert-Lewin. No, definitely not. Please no. But um, <laughs> He's, there's rumors about him, too. I have not seen those rumors. Yeah, you haven't looked right. <laughs> I, I don't know if we get if – we, if we don't get Kane, I don't know if we get a striker. Because we're definitely not getting Haaland. And we're not, I don't think we're getting King. But we haven't really, I haven't really been seeing like links with um, United links with uh, strikers. Right now it's all about, I mean, it was all about Sancho for the last week. And then after, as soon as Sancho was done, even right before Sancho was announced, it was heavy links with Varane again. Um, so maybe after Varane gets done, we start seeing the links with the strikers. Who knows? Um, but I think if we get another big third signing this, uh, this offseason, I think that's, I think that's what, serious questions about high expectations for this season because Ole has been there for a couple of years now. Like it's time. It, the process, we believe in the process, but the process has to happen at some point. And this is, this is his chance. Listen, time will tell, right? Time will tell. But even with Varane and Sancho and the players we have now, I think that we'd be able to compete for the Premier League. And I think we'd be able to compete for the Champions League as well, at least. Um... So, yeah. So, do you think Harry Kane goes to Man City or do you think he's a Spurs player still? Or does he leave, go somewhere else? I feel like those are the only two options, Spurs and Man City. And maybe United if some crazy shit happens. I don't know. I don't know. 
I want to say. And do you think Holland's a Dortmund player? I think Holland's a Dortmund player. I think Holland is also a Dortmund player. Oh, okay, okay. And I think Mbappe is a Madrid player next season. No, he's staying. He next. He'll be a PSG guy, but next season after the season in twenty twenty two, he'll be a Madrid player. Is going to be a Madrid player because I think the reports are saying he's not signing a new extension, right? So he's just waiting for it to play out. And either they can sign him and they can they can sell him and get world breaking transfer fee for, or they let him leave on a free, which would be, in my head, the biggest mistake of all. But I don't know how you let Mbappe leave for a free uh, for a free. When you could get over two hundred million for him, at least, right? Like <laughs> you're getting just as much as Neymar got when he went to PSG. All right, I think that's going to be the end for this episode. Going to remind everybody to follow us on social media on Instagram forward underscore pressing on Twitter forward press pod. I mean, listen, this was an exciting episode for me to record as a United fan. You heard it here, but uh... <laughs> the excitement is palpable. <laughs> but uh, then we got the, the semifinals coming up. I mean, listen, I hope the next time we record, you guys are listening to us talk about uh, 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 it, it's coming home again. It's coming home again. <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Episode 31 in the books. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. We out. <laughs>